Hi, I'm David Pogue. Welcome to the RV Navigator Podcast, your digital home for the RVing lifestyle. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com for additional information about each episode. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile studio that might be parked in a campground near you. Hello, this is Ken, your RV Navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot. What are you doing wearing a mask? I'm having the big unveiling. (laughs) (laughs) It's June, and we can now take off our masks and breathe again. Ladies and gentlemen, it has been a long what, 14 months? We've been, we've done 12 podcasts at least. Wearing masks? Wearing masks. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> well, we should have been wearing masks. Well, but, it was just you and me locked in a tin can for much of it. But now that we have been vaccinated for months and the world is getting vaccinated, and as uh, Memorial Day comes up here, um, we are excited to see the world opening up. and Feeling things, normal once again. And we will be out RVing once again. And the world is our oyster. <laughs> it must depend a bit where our listeners are uh-huh. living as they're listening to you say these things. Because we come from a, a democratic state where people generally follow the CDC guidelines for the most part. Uh-huh. Um, and I know when in, we were in Florida, that was much less the case. But certainly when we turn on the TV and look at what people have been doing for the Memorial Day weekend, it certainly looks a lot different than it did Memorial Day last year. Absolutely. And we have a lot of hope, I think. Uh, people will be traveling and the airports are full, the roadways are full, and RVers are on the road. And they want to hear about the travels of the RV navigators and all the exciting topics that we have to talk about today. But we're but, still at home. Oh. But we're, exi- we're, <laughs> but we're making plans. Ah, yes. We only have seven cruises planned for the future. <laughs> and our RV caravan, which is coming up in August, and then we're going to the balloon festival oh, we have a lot of exciting things to happen lots to i never forward to. Oh, boy, i never would have thought this would this is the way things would have gone our biggest problem now is we have rolled over so many things <laughs> from 2020 we we're not sure this used to be that did we pay for that or not or have we only put a deposit down such and, such big problem and we may be so busy in the future that we won't be able to we'll do the time to talk to you <laughs> Oh, this retired life is just so busy. But yes, this is coming up in just a week is number 51. Usually people don't celebrate 51 well, much, um, but sadly our 50th was, wedding anniversary. was two days after I had my shoulder <laughs> surgery last year. Um, I, I must well, have talked to you uh, later that month, but I have no memory of it whatsoever, which is just as well, um, because I was out of my mind for much of the summer. Mm-hmm. Very glad that that is over. Even I am back on the tennis court. I'm <gasps> feeling good. Tennis? You're playing tennis? Wow. Well... The way I play tennis. <sighs> yes, it has been a trying year. Um, with Martha's uh, surgery issues and recovery, we took a long time to make that happen, but I guess we had the time because the COVID just kept us locked up. Yeah, there was not so, much else to do. What will the next year bring for us? We don't know. But 
enjoying the moment. Enjoying the moment. And getting re- ready to celebrate anniversary number 51. Oh, <laughs> we got married a long time ago. Well, yeah, 51 years is a long time. We've known each other even longer than that. That's right. Oh, my. So, ladies and gentlemen, we hope that you make it as far as we do, but we know that the best is behind us. No. Oh, we're still enjoying everything we do. We just had our physicals, and we're in pretty good shape. Yes, we passed. We passed. <laughs> <laughs> the doctor said go in peace, and so we shall. Okay, so topics for today's RV Navigator podcast. Actually, some leftovers from last month. We might have started talking about this last month, and now that we're so old, we can't always remember what we already told you. <laughs> and we would not ever want to go back and listen to last month's no, podcast. No, 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 oh, no we're no. too busy. Yeah. <laughs> But on our way home, uh, the last night before we got home, uh, we took a little walk um, at our campground, and Ken noticed that there was some oil pooling in the bottom of one of our wheels on the tag axle. I think we said that. It was apparent to us that this was a problem that was probably caused by our stop in Freightliner at Daphne, where they overhauled and refilled all the fluids and checked us over. Including the the axle bearing grease. And gave the physical to our motorhome. So this was quite dismaying, as you might imagine. Yeah, I think I said that you took it all apart and cleaned it and put duct tape over the hole, um, and we drove home like the Beverly Hillbillies. I think I remember saying that. So So if you have a motorhome and you notice that there are black streaks coming out from the hub, that's because there's oil leaking out of your hubs. Um, The bearings are floating in oil. Doesn't that happen in a trailer, too? No, trailers have packed grease. So it's thicker. Yeah, it's thick. Okay, okay. So, yes, you should pack your your bearings. All bearings need to be lubricated. Correct. All right. But the grease that they use in bearings on trailers is different, whereas the hubs on a motorhome, except for independent front suspension, which we also have, but on the back ones, there is uh, an oil level and a plug that goes in, and that plug holds back a oil lubricant that lubricates the the bearings. And I remember that you checked over the bill, and you could see that that lubricant had been replaced, so we we knew they were in there messing around. Yes. And if you see this uh, spray of blackness coming out from your hub, that means that it's, it's leaking. And, and I've seen a couple of pictures uh, on the web this month uh, on various forums that people say, well, what's this coming out of my hub on my tire? Well, they didn't know. So if you don't know, that's what it is. And it needs to be repaired. Uh, fortunately, we caught it before it caused any problems. You put the duct tape on in the nick of time. Exactly. Uh, but this, uh, once again, emphasizes the need for you to go out and just walk around your RV before you leave or so when you get to some destination to just to kind of look it over to see if there are problems that need to be addressed. You can often just save yourself lots of money in terms of repairs because uh, it's a little thing that can be taken care of, but if you let it go, it will be a big thing. It'll be a big thing that will cause big bucks. But in this case, uh, we drove home, and I sent kind of a nasty note to Gaffney, uh, to the Freightliner dealer there, and they actually owned up to it and said yes. Stepped up. Um, I took it into the local Freightliner dealer. Uh, where they told me to go. And those of you who are on our Facebook group notice the um, affordable prices our local (laughs) Freightliner dealer charges for such repairs, especially if you own an RV. uh, The the guy at Gaffney, the head service manager there, when I told him what the 
hourly rate, which was over $240, <laughs> hourly rate for getting things repaired in the Chicagoland area, he was appalled. But this little problem, which I'm not sure, it was a, it's a little plastic plug that had fallen out. And that plastic plug, uh, I couldn't put it in. I could find it, but it had been kind of chewed up, so I couldn't get it back into the uh, into the hub. To have that replaced, the piece was like $4. And... It cost me three hundred and eighty five dollars in the and end. labor and labor to get it fixed. <laughs> oh. But you know, once again I wanna emphasize something about an advantage that we have as a owner of a diesel pusher. And that is is that truckers have to get stuff repaired and they need it repaired now. Things go wrong on trucks. And that one of the things that our veers are always complaining about is the time it takes to get their vehicle serviced. And when you take it to someplace, it can be months before they get it serviced. And the truck community just cannot afford that type of problem. So there are truck repair places that will fix things literally on the spot, um, and certainly within a very short period of time. There are mobile truck repair facilities that will come out and fix it. We have used all three of these types of over the years over the years of, of repairs, and we have definitely benefited from this because all the time you hear about the complaints about, I, you know, it's been in the shop for six months, and I can't get this piece, and I can't get that piece and I can't get it repaired and the, it may be a little expensive but it is definitely possible to get it fixed and get it fixed now now the place we took it to was Freightliner here locally it actually was just within a few blocks of where we store our motorhome and they were open from till midnight I remember 6 from to midnight from, yeah, I think it was from 7 yeah. 7 to midnight uh, 6 days a week and I think the one we stopped at on the Ohio Turnpike was open 24-7 exactly that was a really that, busy remember when we had the, the alternator repaired right, right. now I'm referring to the chassis repairs I'm not referring to slide outs or interior refrigerators and all the, the guts of, an, of a motorhome but the chassis itself the motor and the running gear you can get those repaired quickly almost any place in the country and many times by a mobile guy and being in a motorhome even if they have to overnight you what you need from our experience you can stay in the parking lot overnight in your rig uh, because the rest of it is just fine Um, it's not what you were planning on doing that day but it's very quick and efficient compared to what we read about people who have fifth wheels where they have to take them somewhere to get something fixed you never want to have that happen but it's a good outcome so when you're thinking about uh, getting a motorhome or you're thinking about RVing uh, you need to factor in this benefit of a diesel pusher uh, when you are deciding because uh, getting it repaired is something that's going to happen to you and every place has diesel repair places, and every place has Freightliner, frankly. So uh, if you're using a Freightliner chassis, then you will be uh, benefiting of all these nice service centers. And I guess we should nice. mention Expensive. that the Gaffney Freightliner did stand behind their bad work, and uh, we had to pay for the repair, but they quickly reimbursed you, right? Mm. No? You haven't gotten the money back yet? Uh, I haven't noticed that it has appeared on oh, your credit okay. card. We're but expecting that. They told us that they they yeah. will, and I'm and sure. they called and got your yes, credit card yeah, number. They, we have started the process of reimbursement, so uh-huh. hopefully it will take place. So that's just kind of a word of warning um, and a benefit of a diesel pusher that uh, you might want to consider. We never said that this is ex- episode 194. 
This is episode 194 for June 20. We need ideas for number 200. It's only six months away. We oh, will be. I, that'll be just about the balloon festival. We can have fireworks. I my horns and noisemakers again. 200 is kind of a big. It is a big deal. 200 months we've been doing this since 2006. Well, no, there were some that were twice a month. That's slightly off. Well, we've been doing it a long, a long time. When we were in Alaska, we, we did two a month. And do we have ads? No. Do we take any endorsements? No. no. Are we here for the <laughs> listeners? Yes. We don't interrupt the podcast for any reason. other than Besides coughing. <laughs> <laughs> and laughing. Besides old age, I guess, is, is really the issue here, isn't it? Oh, boy. All right, so. Speaking of old age. Oh. We had to race home because um, we noticed that Ken's birthday was near and he needed to redo his driver's license, renew. And in the past, this was quickly and easily done online. The driver's license showed up wherever we were or waited for us by the time we got home. There it was. And this year, all of a sudden, he couldn't do that because he was too old. When you turn 75 in Illinois... You have to go in. I didn't know this. <laughs> they said you can no longer do your online uh, renewal. So uh, when we got home, I went down to the local DMV, and I wanted to renew my license. And they said, oh, no, you have to take the road test. And I haven't taken a road test in Since you were 30 or 40 years. I have I have an excellent driving record. Since no you tickets. were in college, you drove for the CTA. You had to take a Is road test. Is that the test. last time I took a road test? Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. Anyway, I got down there. I didn't know I had to take the road test. So I said, You didn't oh. know what to expect. Yeah, I didn't know what to expect because they didn't tell me. Uh, well, one of the good things was is that they had a special line for old people. And, and those <laughs> pregnant and old. <laughs> Wait, that pregnant and old, pregnant or old. I don't know how it is in your state, but our state was closed for a while due to COVID, and now the lines are incredibly long. Yeah. I had the pleasure of sitting near a line while Ken was having his uh, road test adventures, and many people were there getting that new driver's license that oh, allows yeah, you to the, fly. Yeah. It's, I want to call it global entry, but that's not the right yeah. word, with a star on it. Um, so that made our DMV very busy, and they still were being careful not to allow many people inside uh luckily it's summer here now in illinois and standing outside in, in a nice summer day was not a huge hardship but, but standing in the pregnant and old age life. <laughs> <laughs> i may look pregnant but who knows <laughs> I, I went in and, and uh, did the paperwork. I fortunately didn't have to take the test. I don't know what I would do if I had to take the, well, I have to study for it, I guess. I didn't know. And, and this facility is about five, at least five miles away, so it was a, a little bit of a drive. And the first thing they said is you have to have your insurance card. But I don't carry that. It's in the car. So I had to go out to the car and get it, and we had just renewed our insurance and gotten a new card. Gotten a new card, so I put the new. I had the new card in the RV, and it started oh, in the car. In the not car, the yeah. RV. The 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 license, the insurance started mid June, even though it's the same. You know, the card same, continuation. I pay every of the six months, company. so I'd put the new card in, and they wouldn't accept that. Because it was still May. And the insurance didn't start until June, even though it was I had a, I'd thrown away the, the May card. 
Oh boy, the sticky nature of this. Yes. And so uh, anyway, we got that all sorted out, and they gave me the eye test, which I passed, and they asked me a few questions, and I paid the big five bucks that you, that senior citizens another advantage of being, of being pregnant at sixty five. <laughs> Or over 65. And I uh, got in line ready for my... Oh, and they said, do you want to renew your motorcycle and your large vehicle license and your car license? Because I have all three endorsements on my license. I guess I've decided that I don't care about being a motorcycle driver anymore. But, of course, I wanted to renew my my motorhome one. So they said, well, you got to start over and go back and get your motorhome. Because you have to take the road test in the motorhome exactly. to prove that you know what and you're doing. And taking the road test in the motorhome also covers your car. Okay, so I called Martha. We went out to the storage place. I got the got the motorhome, brought it back to the parking lot. They have a fairly large parking lot. Got back in line with the pregnant people. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes into the DMV and comes out maybe 15 minutes later with the testing person. I could see she had her clipboard in yeah, her I hand. Yeah, I sat there and they... Yeah, the, and then they go right back in the building. And I thought, what is this? I come out of the place. The The examiner takes me out into the parking lot and, and uh, she says, we don't test motorhomes here. Even though the website says, says that they, they do. do. <laughs> and they had let me go this far. They had let me go get my motorhome and park it in the parking lot. And they said, no, we don't do motorhomes in this at this facility. So I said, what the heck? So... They said, oh, they only do it at uh, two facilities that are more rural and about uh, 25, 30 miles away each. So we put the motorhome away. didn't have time that day. And fortunately, they told me that my license was good until August because of the COVID and stuff. They had extended the deadline for getting renewed. So a few days later... We once again went get, get the, got the motorhome. Drove we through dro- the corn. Go, drove, <laughs> 25 to this miles. teeny tiny little parking Illinois lot. Illinois is just so flat. And when there are no crops growing, <laughs> is it, is this, it, you can just see forever out here. Anyway, we drove the 25 miles to the place. And it had a much smaller parking lot than the one we were in. So you had to park illegally because there was nowhere to be. And I'm thinking, what if they asked me how the motorhome got here? Well, why would they ask you that? How did it get there? Because what, you're driving what, illegally? What, what driver's license? I thought they extended your license. Yeah, they did. Anyway, so I went there, went inside, did pretty much all the same sort of thing. I didn't have to pay the five bucks because they recognized that I'd already been there. I had my picture taken, blah, 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 blah. And the examiner came out. And An hour later. And I was really pretty nervous because, you know, to get a, um, a CDL, you have to have a air brake endorsement you have to have safety flares you got to know about backing up into into spots and i was kind of nervous about what the road test was going to be like i didn't i don't need a cdl a commercial driver's license which is what you had no i did not have well, when you drove for the cta this is so long ago i don't, you don't i did not have a cdl I've so never, you've been not driving with the proper endorsement uh, the motorhome all these years then i've been driving with a lesser endorsement, but I don't need a C- I don't have a CDL now. Yeah, I know. And it wasn't the CDL test. Yeah. So the bottom line is, is that uh, the the lady came out was going to give me the test, and she can't got into the motorhome, and they do do motorhome tests there. Yay! And I talked to her just briefly, and she had never done a motorhome driving test. Had never been in a motorhome. Was not an RVer. 
did not know anything about it. So I think she gave me the car test, the driving test. So we went out and drove a little bit, and we came back, and I passed. I think you were gone 20 minutes. Yeah, it wasn't, we, didn't, we drove three or four miles. And she didn't ask me to do anything tricky. I had to back up, but just a very short distance, and I had no parking. I don't think she knew anything about CDL. The, the, the CDL, you have to make an appointment for, and you have to get a licensed guy, and there's a lot of testing involved. So I now have a Class B private large vehicle driver's license. And the large vehicle means it's over... Over 26,000 pounds. pounds. In Illinois, I had a Class C, which is for over 16,000 pounds, but less than twenty six. I didn't know what the quality the line was there. Yeah. yeah, because I just had that for a long time. I'd never taken a, a driving test in a in a motorhome. So, bottom line is, um, for you, dear listener, um, is is that in order to be valid in your state, you need to check and see because every state seems to have different regulations. And some states have none. Yeah, we were thinking about getting our licenses in Florida, and you don't need anything in Florida. You just can use your car, and you can drive a motorhome. That just seems wrong to me. Not that I was very impressed by the test that you were given here no. in Illinois, but a, a large vehicle like that is dangerous for you it and for other people. It does require some special skills. And you need to be able to operate it properly. I think this is a problem, too, in our state, as, as we sat there watching that long line, as all the baby boomers are beginning to hit that 75-year-old line in the sand. Yeah. They're going to need more and more people to test all of us, and that's expensive. And I can see where some states will just say, oh, to hell with it. But that's not very safe. So I am good for the next four years. Yay! Yay. And then after, I have to take the driving test every time I get my license renewed now. Unless over change, 75. Unless they change the rules. <laughs> like they're going to change the rules. But it only cost me five bucks. Whoop-de-doo. So special RV licenses include, I'm going to read this now, the CDL. Some states do require CDLs, which stands for Commercial Driver's License. The, there are several classes of CDLs, and most states do not require a CDL for RVers. Class B, which is what I have which can be commercial or non-commercial, depending on the state. California is a state which requires a non-commercial Class B for certain RVs. That's me. Our registration, which is an additional registration in the state of New York for recreational vehicles, which with a gross weight of over 26,000 pounds. And my understanding is, is that the your driver's license is reciprocal in all the states, so that if you are in Illinois and you have my Class B license, I can drive virtually any RV and and uh, it would be valid in all the other states, regardless of their individual requirements. And in my mind, all of this is not very critical unless you are in an accident. Right. Not only are you in danger of getting a ticket, but the insurance folks could say, we're not going to pay for your um, damage because, because you're you were licensed. driving illegally. You were not properly licensed. And that could be a big problem. Vehicles that can carry more than 16 passengers are, are often subject to special licensing. 
um, like a school bus. Broadly speaking, there are two types of special licenses, a commercial and a non-commercial license. Some states require you to have a non-commercial special license in order to drive a recreational vehicle over a certain length and or weight. Other states will require you to have commercial driver's license, uh, the kind of license needed for large, heavy vehicles like buses or tractor trailers. And I have put a link, of course, on our website. And so if you go to the June 2021 episode 194 of the rvnavigator.com podcast, you will find a link to the, all of the state's requirements for uh, driver's license. Throughout the country. And I would, and, and now that I have passed and I'm a, a, a grizzled veteran, <laughs> I would suggest. You're grizzled, all right. <laughs> Oh, that probably isn't good, is it? I would suggest that maybe you want to go and check out your state to see what you need for driving your vehicle, even fifth wheels. Uh, and there are fifth wheel truck combinations that would be over 26,000 pounds also, and certainly over 16. Yeah. And in Illinois, anything over 16,000 pounds requires a special driver's license of one sort or another. And it doesn't make any difference whether you're uh, towing a fifth wheel or whatever. A word to the wise. From the wise man. Oh, boy. Oh. <laughs> I was also surprised to learn that um, while we're on the subject of regulations, that the e-bikes that we have been enjoying and have slash newly purchased um, also are regulated in some places depending on how fast you can go on them. And that's something that you need to pay attention to as well. Absolutely. And, of course, we're going to have an article about that at rvnavigator.com, episode 194, June 2021. Did we talk about our bikes last No, time? we have not talked about our bikes at all. We, we've we had e-bikes for three years now. Yes. And the ones that we bought, um, a primary importance to us was the fact that they folded in half because we learned the hard way that keeping your bikes out on a rack in the weather um, doesn't really do them any good at all. Damage <laughs> Especially an electric bike with electronics in it. And so we bought initially um, full-size bikes that folded in half and were very pleasant to ride, but they were full kind size of tires, heavy. Full-size um, tires. 26-inch tires. I felt bad. Badly that I could not manage my bike myself well, they, to get it in and out of the they car. They weren't as heavy as they were unwieldy. Yeah. Even though they just folded in half, it still was a fairly large package. And they fit in the back of our Jeep, but we had to do it very carefully because one would fit on top of the other and we had to be careful about the cables and the derailleur mechanism not to bend it and it was kind of a hassle to get them into the back of the car so going down to florida we could put them in there and you know we just left them in there all the way down to florida and took them out and and rode them for three or four months and it was fine but at some point Doing my research for the RV Navigator podcast, I ran across somebody who had their fold-up bikes, electric bikes, in a plastic bin. And they just picked up the plastic bin like you would buy at Lowe's or someplace. You just pick it up and you throw it into the back of the vehicle. And there's no real messing around with locating the bikes in the back of the of the vehicle. And it was my impression wow. that with our old bikes, when we would travel down the road, let's say from our home to Florida, uh, things would vibrate against each other and would wear. And I even broke a wire that and way. And keeping the bikes separate, each in their own bin, Seems like a great idea, plus it's a lot easier to get them in and out. However, these bikes have what I used to fondly call clown tires. Um, 
considerably smaller than we a normal size. We don't anymore. But now that I have ridden a bike with clown tires, it doesn't... 20 inch as opposed to 26. It doesn't feel like it while you're on it. No. So I was well, pleasantly surprised. Our old bikes, we ordered uh, online and had them delivered home here, and I had to put them together, which was fine. But there was virtually no service, although I did have a minor warranty repair, and they sent me a new throttle. But mm-hmm. but the old bikes, we were kind of left on our own to, to work on. Whereas these bikes, uh, which are... A brand called Pedico, Pedico, P-E-D-E-C-G-O. No, P-E-D-E-G-O, Pedego. Pedego, pedaling to go. Yeah, something like that. Anyway, they actually have stores. Which these days is something that you don't take for granted. And we visited our first Pedego store while we were still in Florida and had a chance to ride their foldable bike and were quite impressed, but they only had one. So we bought the one that they had and ordered another one up here where there was also a store within 20 miles of home. So in Florida, there are probably half a dozen uh, Pedego stores that they're factory stores, so that's all they sell. And this company from California has been around since 2008, and they have a lot of different styles of bikes. And if you're not insisting on a foldable one, as we do, you have many, many choices of of weight and design and style. They even had a tricycle one. Right. Uh, I was quite impressed yeah. by the depth of their selection, and that's all they sell is their own bikes. So you go into the store and they'll have 25 bikes. And the nice thing is is that you can actually get in and ride them and uh, try them out and you know with so many different models and and 24 inch and 26 inch and then the 20 inch that we have, you can try out and see which bike uh, fits you the best. Uh, they have a very low step through model so that uh, if you have trouble getting your legs over the bar in the middle, then this is a, a, a nice option. And they have these very nice folding bikes that unlike our old ones, which just folded in the middle, these are actually designed with folding in mind. So the handlebars come down as well. Well, the handlebars come down, but also they have, it has no chain. It has a, it's belt drive, so there's no lubrication to get smeared on stuff and to get snagged on things. All of the cables are all internal to the frame. Protected. To, yes, to protect it. Um, and because we can now... And with this, the idea now is is that we put them into these bins. They fold up small enough to fit into the bins, so they actually fit in our smaller car in the back. And there's actually plenty of space. We could fit probably four into the back now. And I can do it. I can do my own bike. That feels good. Right. These don't come with a bin, but we went to Lowe's and we picked up a forty gallon. That sounds like a lot. A forty gallon bin with wheels. With wheels. And we just take the bikes, we fold them up, put the handlebars down, uh, put the seat down. And that's another nice thing is is that they actually have a kind of a kickstand that when it's folded up, it still stands up straight, which is nice. But anyway, these are very nicely designed for folding. And obviously quite a lot of engineering went into the process to make them fold easily. And to keep everything, oh, there's no derailleur. It has an internal hub gear shift so that there's no derailleur to get messed up and cables to anyway the, that all works out very nicely we put them into the bins and we put the bins in the back of the hatch and away you go and they can be unfolded and set up in just a matter of minutes 
I would say these are far from economical. Many of our friends who are serious bike riders have spent at least that much on what I would call a more normal-looking bike. I guess you get what you pay I, for. Well, I, I, it's nice having the store. They have a two-year warranty, five-year five warranty, warranty, and they have a lot of nice support. And there's a great Facebook page where you can ask questions and talk about uh, uh, bags and saddles and locks and the, other, the mirrors and things that you want to put onto it. So uh, we found this to be a very nice experience. And the fact that we could order it in Florida and pick it up in Illinois is another nice feature. And they had it all set up so that you didn't have to put it together. Put it together. And I'm pretty good at that, but yes, you are. I never know how to adjust the brakes and that sort of stuff. And it's nice to know that you have the support if you have problems or questions. And they have stores in every state so that even if we are someplace we can get uh, spare parts. And I always wondered if our, our our old bike if we could get spare parts. Um and, of course, things like batteries, and those are always issues with these guys. Our last ones, the batteries lasted 20 miles or so. And the question always comes up, <laughs> and you want to read this article. Uh, this article is actually very good because it talks about the three different classifications of bikes. Class 1 is pedal assist only. And pedal assist means that you have to be pedaling in order for the motor to work. And the faster you pedal, the more assistance it gives you? No. No. No, you get to choose the How level of assistance, assistance, but at every every round it, it provides the same assistance. Of course, really the bottom line is, is that every electric bike provides pedal assistance. No matter what they call it, that's what an electric bike is. So our, our old bikes did not have pedal assist. They just had a throttle, and you could... Push the throttle as you could assist your pedaling as hard as you you wanted wanted. for the speed you wanted to go. So it had like a motorcycle throttle. And when I first started using the pedal assist, it made me a little leery going around a corner because I was still pedaling and it went faster than I wanted to go. So we should mention that these new bikes are level two, which means they have pedal assist and throttle. I would not have an electric bike without a throttle. In all honesty, I don't like the pedaling assist option. But on the Although bikes, you can uh, turn it off. That's correct. Uh, these these have a very nice uh, display panel, and it has six levels, or actually five levels of pedal assist, and then one that is just throttle only. So you can use this bike in any of the modes that you want to. The higher the number, the more pedal assist. So if if you just want to make your, your feet go around... <laughs> As if you're pedaling, the motor will pretty much do all the work at at level six. If you have it at one, you're doing a fair amount of work, and the pedaling is the motor is doing just a little bit of work. But you always have the throttle. Our old bikes had more gear choices, like regular bikes do, mm-hmm. and these bikes that had we just regular purchased derailleur. only have three, which I thought would bother me. But the higher gears just come from the pedal assist slash throttle that you that you choose, and you can go as fast as you want or need to go, and uphill, and it ends up being the same in terms of my, how I'm feeling while I'm riding. Right. Uh, so this has the option of using either the throttle or the quote-unquote pedal assist. And I'm used to using just the throttle. And, you know, when you want to go, I use the the electric mostly for 
well, going up hills, of course, steep hills, but coming starting. from a, starting from a stop. And the pedal assist doesn't do anything there, the, the pedaling assist. So uh, I would strongly recommend that you get at least a level two because you want that throttle. Level three is having the throttle only and the speed limitation. These bikes are limited to 20 miles an hour, kind of by the regulations, um, so that they will be considered to be a standard bike so that you can use them on bike trails that are for standard bikes. Um, apparently, the national parks have had quite a debate about this, and they have decided that level two are okay, but level three are not because level three will go much faster than they want you to they go. Want you to go. So it, you want to take a look at this article because it, <laughs> you'd hate to spend a fair amount of money on a electric bike and then find out that uh, you can't use it on many trails. And if you are in Florida, which is flat as a pancake, and you are just riding your bike for exercise, you can turn it all off, and it just feels like a normal bike. And this uh, article also mentions that even with an electric bike, you get a fair amount of exercise. <laughs> I'm hoping that some of our listeners are not 75 yet and might be interested in something a bit more taxing. Then they probably don't want an electric bike. <laughs> But even so, these fold up very nicely, yes. and they have a standard pedaling system, and the motor does not drag so that if you prefer just to pedal, you can. That's not an issue. Right. And that's true of, of most e-bikes. But you might want to consider these uh, as an option for your trips. We, I don't like to hang the bikes out on the back. Not only are they expensive and could be stolen if they're hanging out, but... Uh, Weather on electric bikes just, I don't think, is such a good idea. And when I think back to campgrounds we stayed in that sponsored bike groups, bike clubs, I can think of one we were in in Texas whose main function was to, to ride your bike to eat out and have breakfast. And they rode so slowly that I almost had to put my bike in reverse <laughs> to, to, to maintain Does your electric speed. bike have reverse? And then uh, there was a group we rode with in Tucson that was quite taxing for us. Uh -huh. And it's nice to have the flexibility that whatever group you end up joining up with that you can probably fit in somewhere. And I find the smaller tires to be... Uh, it, it changes the geometry of the bike. Uh, the bike handles differently than it than our other bikes, but I, not worse. It's just different, and I think it's just something you have to learn. Going around corners and stuff is just about as easy, and and it rides fine. I don't have any problems. Just slightly different. Uh, yeah, I don't have any problems keeping it going straight, and and I don't have any problems pedaling it. And of course, the seat is completely adjustable, so that you can get a, a decent riding position. Almost anybody could, I think. The seat height has to be moved up every time you set up the bike, and then you you put the handlebars at a relative position. They move up to and down it. also. Yeah. Lots of choices in terms of setting it up, and it only takes a couple minutes to to disassemble and to assemble. So that's that's very good. So that was one of our big purchases. But we haven't been talking about RVing. Well, that's part of RVing. Okay. Okay. So a lot of people are buying RVs these days, and we want to point you to the 73-page report from RV Travel that lists every manufacturer and the makes and models of each brand. RVs, who makes what, is the result of hundreds of hours of research and fact-checking by our associate uh, editor Bradford Gear. It's the most comprehensive guide to RV manufacturers and their brands ever assembled. 
This is a, a free public service. And if you're in the market for an RV, if you can find one to buy, uh, apparently there's a big shortage of RVs. And with the summer coming up here, I expect there to be even more demand problems. The demand will be high. Um, you might want to take a look at this at this guide. Um, seems like a really good idea just to kind of see who manufactures what. Of course, Thor and uh, Winnebago manufacture just about everything. Yeah, it's kind of consolidated as now, many other industries have, have as well. Now that they have bought Tiffin and uh, Numar and many other brands. Should we talk about five mistaken assumptions that new full-time RVers make? Okay. One, I can easily imagine thinking this myself, that full-time RVing is going to be one long camping trip. No. Because that's how you have experienced RVing when you were still working and didn't have time to be... You go out and have s'mores, and you have a campfire every night, and you're in this pristine forest with trees, and all your neighbors are friendly, and it's quiet, and you are communing with nature, and deer come up and eat out of your hand, and (laughs) all of those things are happening as a camping experience. No. Once in a while. Once in a great while. And you go there as a destination. But many times you're going to be in RV parks that are less salubrious. And when you're a full-timer, your RV is your home. And when you are at home, some days you are doing recreational things and some days you aren't. It's the same kind of life in terms of pacing, I think. And you're going to go to a wide variety of different campgrounds. And you need to expect this. And it's not... You're not going to be sitting out. You're going to be maybe many nights. You might be sitting and watching TV or playing cards with friends or doing the laundry, doing the laundry, or just doing ordinary stuff that you would have to do at home. So it's not the vacation camping experience that you might have thought of when you were thinking of camping as a kid. The excitement of new places will wipe out missing family and friends. That's true. It depends. Yeah. We we meet a lot of full-timers who use their rigs to go from family and friends right. to family and friends. And it's enabled them to visit people more regularly and more comfortably because you didn't have to stay in their house when you were visiting. And we them. accidentally meet lots of uh, our listeners. New friends. Because they recognize our RV. Some people assume that when they are full-time in a rig, they will be having no maintenance living. <laughs> <laughs> I would say you have more maintenance to do in the RV than you do in our house. Oh, absolutely. And why is that? Because it doesn't. our house does not rattle down the road. Our house, and the RV is actually substantially more complex in its operation than your house. And you, as the owner of an RV, need to be aware of the differences. So many people just think that it is a house that goes down the road, not understanding that you have two electrical systems, that you have to maintain your own water system. It doesn't just come in from the outside. You have to maintain your own poop system because it doesn't just flow out automatically. There are all of these things to that, think about. And not only that, but it is going down the road and being jiggled all the time, and so things come loose. We have a vast collection of screws that we have found yeah, we just on found the a floor um, that we just put in a little place in case we can never figure out what they rattled out of because it happens so maintenance is a constant issue and you have to understand the systems of in your rv in order for you to what's a transfer switch and how does it work 
Yeah, there's a lot to learn. There's, uh, there are things that in your house you just never have had to think about. Because you grew up in a house? Did you know that you have fuses for the 12-volt and breakers for the 20, for the 120? I see so many people who I have no... I don't want to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> Another mistake. And that's the mistake. That's the problem. <laughs> that's where the problems lie. Another mistake. I don't even want to think about it. Well, who does? You. Do you think I, I walk around the RV and I find a pool of oil in the tag axle? Do you think I want to think about it? No. Do you think I want to go out and fill up the tires with air? You seem to kind of enjoy doing something Come on. I would rather be doing something else. But we find that it's worth it because oh, yeah. we enjoy the travel. Oh, yeah. So it is not maintenance-free. Another mistaken assumption is that it's going to be so much cheaper to live in an RV than to live in a house. I suppose it could be, but you would drastically have to change your lifestyle. Exactly. Because you're still doing things, you're still eating things. Are are you eating out more when you're traveling? That's what we tend to do. Now, just as an, as an aside, down at our uh, resort in Florida, where we own our lots... The monthly rate in winter is $1,680 a month for just the lot plus electricity. Uh, that's fairly typical for Florida. And moderately high, but certainly we, not at the top. A friend of ours just rented an, a 700-square-foot apartment in Chicago, and he's paying $1,200. Wasn't that $1,200? Yeah, I think so. $1,200 a month for a one-bedroom apartment. One apartment in Chicago. Eh, so you tell me. <laughs> Down in, in Florida at our resort, you have to bring your apartment, <laughs> i.e. your RV. Right. And you have to maintain it, whereas there it includes the utilities and things, and you don't have to worry about where your poop goes or where the water comes from. So is RVing cheaper? Um, I think Can that be. is Can a, be. that's a misnomer, I believe. I mean, the people that um, spend months um, out in the desert boondocking for free can certainly real... live very economically. Yes. But it's a lifestyle that certainly doesn't appeal to everyone. No, exactly. Last mistaken assumption, I will love wherever we are if only we can be full-time RVers. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of places between here and there that you may not love all that much. And as you recall, we have spent many, many winters looking for the ideal spot for us to spend our winters. And only recently have we actually found it. Remember, we have spent our winters in California, Arizona, Texas, uh, New Mexico, um, of course, Florida, and a few other places probably we, we spent extended. New, we spent it Orleans, over a too. month. Yeah. Over a month. And those were spots we just decided that we didn't want to spend the rest of our winters in. Are you going to enjoy every spot that you go to? No. And there's such a difference in going to a spot because you want to do touristic things there. Because when we do that, we're hardly in the campground at all because we're running around seeing and doing Best Kennedy Space Center or whatever right, it is right. we're, we're, we're trying to see or hiking in the Grand Canyon. As opposed to a campsite where you are planning on having your quality time at the campsite, at the yes. campground. It's a very different experience. So is the journey or the destination more important? That's another thing to think about. Recently I retired, and this is a paragraph that I'm reading, and I have only camped a few times as a child 50 years ago. Worked hard and never really went anywhere on vacation, which is true for most of us. 
My dream has been to see the beautiful sights while traveling the country with my wife and dog in a comfy recliner and looking out a large window. That's why I bought a Class A. We aren't planning to bring a toad. I am not that excited to be at a campground or resorts. Just driving. Just the driving part. I am not a carefree wanderer, and I definitely will plan and reserve stops. But I read many people who are retired and not that drive short distances so they can relax at the site. I understand driving fatigue and the need to, for rest, but I'm in the small minority of our viewers that feel this way. He likes the driving. I enjoy driving. Yes, you but said that. I would rather be there. And I'd say, from our experience, when you come from a life where you haven't been able to drive around and see stuff, you tend to drive around like a lunatic for the first year or two doing just that, uh-huh. but you come to learn that long driving days are wearing and tiring, and once you're retired, are not all that necessary. So when I read people's um, accounts of their travels once they've been RVers for a while, they tend to limit themselves to 250 or 300 miles a day and try to stop by mid-afternoon so they have a chance to enjoy wherever they are and relax and and have a little life that's not behind a wheel. So coming back from Florida, uh, just recently, we took um, almost a week. Why not? But we bring a toad, and you want to be able to go out and see the sights. This guy wants to just sit, I guess. Anyway, if you go to our website and click on the link, it takes you to a forum where many people posted their ideas about this topic. So you might want to go in and look and see what other people are, are doing in terms of is it a destination or is it the drive. We are about to embark in August on a trip out west, which is a long trip for us. Our first destination is about 1,700 miles away. And our drives will probably be, the first day we'll drive 400 miles, the second day we'll drive 400 miles, and then we'll start to ease off on that. I can, take, of, I can take a couple of 400-mile days. And have a day of rest. And have maybe have a day of rest, and then we'll take the second half of the trip will be a little bit more leisurely. But I think 300 miles a day, stopping at 3 o'clock, is probably a pretty good idea. And, of course, it depends on the kind of driving that you're doing. As a general rule, when you're just going down an expressway, it's kind of boring, yes. but it's pretty efficient. Yes. And you can cover a lot of ground. But if you are having any sort of weather issues on our drive home from Florida, we had one day where it was very windy, and we kept getting smacked around as we were going down the road. And I found that tiring, and I wasn't even doing the driving. Yeah. So it depends. <laughs> you found it yeah. tiring. <laughs> Yeah, I kept clenching my muscles every time I went, really? Yeah. Oh, do you think what it did to me? Exactly. <laughs> Jeez. Exactly. So uh, I guess it kind of depends on the trip, but the bottom line is uh, we take our time, and uh, because we're retired, we can do that. And I don't mind driving uh, a fair amount at the beginning or the end of the trip. I mean, that's just kind of an automatic. But we will be spending hmm, at least two months out there. And so we will drive maybe 150 miles a day when we're out there after staying maybe a week or so um, in different places. So our travels out, once we're out in the western United States, will be much less uh, on a daily basis, much less taxing. And that's the way we like it. 
We like to get in. We like to do the hub and spoke thing, and I don't think this guy has even thought about doing hub and spoke. But to be fair, we are also at the point in our lives where we have seen a lot of the things that were on our list to see, and are going back and revisiting many of the things that we really liked that we rushed through the first time. It's kind of a process as you go through life. Yep, your pace changes. Yep, I agree. No question about it. Are electric tow vehicles a reality in the future? This is unbelievable it to me. Is we, have, we have a friend who just bought a Volkswagen, Volkswagen ID4. All electric. All electric. <laughs> he, can't pl- he can't plug it in in his garage to p- charge it, so he has to go to a charging station. And it takes him 40 minutes sitting there to get it recharged. Oh, that's if it's not fully uh, discharged. Right. And as, uh, as I've said, I think that campgrounds, uh, because they have all these electric hookups, could really make a killing by having... Have you read anybody that's doing that? No. But uh, this article um, is quite interesting because the author is part of a program where he's going to be receiving uh, from Volkswagen an ID4, which is their new kind of crossover. It's about the same size as our RAV4, but it's... Um, an interesting vehicle because it's all electric and brand new. And, of course, as we saw President uh, Biden do, <laughs> the Peel, new, peeling down the peeling on, on, on the new electric uh, Ford pickup truck, he's going to be having samples of both of those two vehicles, and he's going to try out for the next year pulling a small RV, a small, uh, I believe it's going to be an Airstream. Which will really consume electricity. I wonder how well, far our he friend will says be able that he gets 260 miles to a charge. Without, I don't know what without tra- towing anything. Without towing anything, and it'll be very interesting to see what kind of a kind of a distance he gets pulling an RV because. I can't imagine it not cutting it at least in half. I don't know. I'm really excited about electronic driving and getting away from petroleum, but it's just not ready for prime time yet. In our area, we just don't have the charging capacity unless you have a house, and even then you have to spend a fair amount of money to get the charger Put set into up. your garage. Yeah, a high-speed charger. He said if he plugs it into a regular plug, a 20-amp plug. In his house. In his house, that it would take, what, 16 hours to charge? From, from fairly from, low, he from said. From low, yeah. which to me is... Yeah. <laughs> So they, they seem pretty practical if you have a very predictable driving day that isn't too long, a commute, and you can come home every night and recharge in your garage where you have put a higher-powered charging station. You could make a go of it. Campgrounds are going to be very interesting. If you pull into a campground and you have an electric uh, tow vehicle and you plug in your trailer... Then to there's the, nowhere to plug in the tow vehicle. Uh-huh. Can you plug and, it into your RV? No. Well... At low charging capacity, yeah, you certainly could. But slowly. the thing is, is that is the campground going to pay for the electricity to charge your car, essentially providing you with your, your with your transportation? Because what did you read? If you have to pay for the electricity, our friend right now is on a free program for three years. What was it? How much Forty-five money? cents a kilowatt. Can you translate to, to the cost of gas or no? Uh-huh. <laughs> but it's somebody, not free. Somebody told me that it was about the same as the price of gasoline. Uh huh. But cleaner, well, sort of cleaner, because you always have to think about where is the electricity coming My from. My mind is about to explode. I can't decide was, what to do. Was it generated by a solar panel or um, a gas? Was it renewable or was it, yeah. 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 So there, there are a lot of interesting issues, uh, but it's evident that uh, the they're, car they're companies are really, are really moving down the road and making sure that electric is an option with an electric pickup truck. Wow. Yeah, we can charge... 
your house. But in if a you storm. can't charge it at the campground, that's going to be a huge problem. Right. And do you get two two fifty amp plugs at the campsite? And as I said, I would think the campgrounds are going to go crazy when they if you're there paying for you to the charge your car. Essentially, they're providing you with electric for they're providing you with the gas that you need to to tow your vehicle. Yeah. And that's not going to happen for Lots free. To think about. And I don't even think campgrounds have even no. thought about it. But no. so with that mind blowing <laughs> green thought. <laughs> oh. I'm gonna take my put my mask on. Why? But I don't need to, do I? No. After the oh, no. no masks. Oh, we can just go out and enjoy the world. What a relief! We can go to we can go to dinner. We can go to lunch. We can talk to friends. We can see people casually without having our masks on. Yay! It's a wonderful. It's thing. a wonderful thing. We appreciate it as we never have before. And from now on, unless there is some sort of strange variant that causes us to go back into remission we will be ready to travel and we have plans but our first cruise is not until 2022 yeah we'll see we will We've see gotten, got, kind of gotten out of the mode of making plans so um hopefully these that we have made will come through so we, uh, we will be doing one short trip in the upcoming month and that is in the middle of the month we will be in the indiana dune state park if you are coming and you are looking to go to chicago the indiana dune state park is a very nice intermediate stop because it's reasonably close to chicago and it's a very nice camping experience with and there's a train station there's there. a train you station there where you can take the train town. into Chicago. Yeah. And things are actually opening up in Chicago that you can go to do and see. The museums are opening. We, <laughs> we went to the, to the Van, Van Gogh. Gogh. Immersive Van Gogh. Immersive Van Gogh. Which is going on in some other cities besides ours. So I Van went. <laughs> <laughs> and I was not Van impressed. Well, impressed. you're not an art person. I was thrilled just to be in a museum again. It felt yes. so good. Yes. Um, and so our favorite city is uh, once again coming, coming back, back to, life, to life, and there will be some outdoor concerts and festivals and fairs and all the things that we enjoy about summer. And the theaters are and this starting. This is really to unexpected. I mean, we expect maybe uh, July we would be making this podcast, uh, giving the exoneration yeah. of the COVID. We would be doing this in July, but actually it's a whole month early because. It looks like uh, Memorial Day is going to be wide open. Our country did not respond too well to the COVID initially, but certainly we have made a lot of progress recently since the vaccination has been invented and been able to be distributed. But we still don't have any idea how they're going to prove that you were vaccinated. No, that's another <laughs> problem that remains unsolved. Yes. So we do have our vaccination cards, but... They could be printed on any printer. If you'd like, no, I won't say that. <laughs> we hope to see you in a campground near us. If not now, then in August. And we will be waiting for you to send us email. What is your, how is your travel going? Is it destination oriented or do you enjoy the actual travel days on the road? Are you also taking advantage of traveling mask free? Ooh, yes, indeed. Okay. We hope that you have a good good month, and we hope to hear from you. Please send us an email. Uh, please uh, bring up some topics that you'd like to hear us talk about, and we will see you in the next month. Happy travels. Bye now. <laughs>